Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. Hey, so I got a funny story to tell you. If I take off my glasses and stand here, I kind of look like someone else, huh? Yeah, everybody thinks I look like Ransom. So this is a real story. A lady was coming to talk to me today. She goes, hey, you did a really good job on Sunday. I got to talk to our church on Sunday about serving. I get to talk to you about it tonight as well. And she was talking to me. She goes, you, you did a good job, and, and you're right. You do look like Ransom, and you look like that other guy. I just got married, that boy. And I go, oh, Davis. She goes, yes. All three of you look exactly the same. I go, I know. I get it. We, I know, we got kind of the same pump going on here, right? And so I turn around and I go in the doors and there's a Connect kid walking by. Ransom just led worship for Connect. And I walk by and he goes, hey, I know you. You were just on stage. And I go, nope, Ransom. And like everybody's confused here. So my name's Parker. It's good to see you guys. Hi, Parker. It's good to see you guys. We'll get through this. We'll get everybody sorted out. We'll get through this. I promise. I promise. So I'm really excited to talk to you tonight about serving. We're going to kind of have, I'm going I'm to talk to people tonight who claim to follow Jesus Christ, who are, who are Christians. And if you are still trying to figure that out, if you're still trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing, that's all right. I've been there. I'm glad you're here. This is where you should be. I want you here. Tonight, I'm going to be talking to the family a little bit. So you get to be a part of a kind of a family meeting and see how that functions. So I get to talk to you guys about serving. We've been in this Worship, Serve, Grow series that we call Engage. And I want to talk to you about the heart of serving and why we serve the church and what that means for us and honestly what that does for our spirit. So tonight, we're going to talk in Matthew chapter 20. A little context here. Jesus is having a conversation with two boys and their mom. The two boys wanted something done, so they sent their mother to go do it for them. How many of us have done that in this room? Yeah, yay for moms. Yay for moms. But she asks, she goes, hey, I I want my sons to be great. In the kingdom kingdom of God, I want them to be great. But she didn't, she was trying to be a good mom. She was trying to love them all she could. Uh, But she said, but she didn't know what she was asking. Because, yeah, here on earth, to be great is to be the CEOs, the kings and queens, right? They sit on thrones. But to be greatest in the kingdom of God is to be a servant here on earth. So she didn't know what she was asking. And Jesus said, I am the greatest, and I will set the example on how to be great. But it comes at a cost. And that cost is serving. That cost is laying down your life for other people. That cost is being with people who other people won't be with. You know these people. They're in your lunchrooms. They're in your classrooms. This applies directly to you tonight. That's what Jesus is talking about. So in Matthew chapter 20, he brings his guys together and he says, You know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over him, saying, People love stepping on people. People love taking advantage of people. People love being in power and that their high officials exercise authority over them. And he's saying to you tonight as well, not so with you. If you claim to follow Jesus Christ, this is not the case. He said, this is not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as a son of man, he's saying, just as I, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. So imagine a church. Imagine a community, a school, a home here at Element that lays down their lives for the sake of others. A ransom for many. Will you guys pray with me? God, thank you for 
this evening. Thanks for the fun we're having. Thanks for the good times. I pray that you focus our hearts. I pray that you focus our spirits to honestly hear what you're trying to communicate with us tonight. Thank you for bringing all these students here. Thanks for bringing the family together. And I pray that tonight you humble our hearts and you teach us what it truly means to serve the kingdom of God. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Cool. Very good. So let's talk about who is qualified to serve. Time out, family. Hey, uh, sixth graders or whatever over here, at Element, we have a higher expectation for you, that you don't interrupt people. We have that expectation. I don't know if that was explained to you, but I want to be fair. That's the expectation when, when we're going through service, just so you know. Cool. Thank you. So we're going to talk about the qualifications to serve the kingdom of God and what that means. And I think one of the biggest inhibitions that people have, one of the things that, the reasons why they don't want to serve the church is because they feel like they're not good enough. They feel like they're not churchy enough or they feel like they're not holy enough. They have this thing holding them back. But in the context of serving Jesus, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then there are qualifications. Me up here, you here tonight, you and I, there's no difference between you and I. I, Parker, am no more qualified to serve the kingdom of God than you. If I went and prayed with someone at a hospital and you go and pray for someone at a hospital, there's no difference. There's no difference in value if you claim the name of Jesus Christ and you have his Holy Spirit dwelling within you. You see that? Some people come to me and they ask me to pray for him because I have a special connection to God and I'm just like, I do? <laughs> like he didn't tell me that, but that's not the case. I guess, okay, so in the, in the context of my relationship with Jesus Christ, yeah, that's a, that's a really special connection with God and if, if you claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have that same connection to God as I do. We're in the same boat. So when we're talking about who's worthy to serve, some people look to me as if I'm different. And your goal shouldn't be to be like me. Your goal should be to be like Jesus. Because i got to tell you, I'm one busted up person too. I need Jesus just as bad as you. And I will someday, I will let you down. Just like you let you and your friends down. I have my issues as well. I have conflicts with loved ones and friends. Listen, I get nervous to pray for small group. Have any of you ever been asked to pray for small group and you go, Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have that too. It's not that crazy. It's not that weird. It's not that abnormal. But I got to tell you, you're qualified. Man, you're more than capable of doing that. I got to tell you a story. Three weeks ago, uh, three or four weeks ago, is Baptism Sunday, and I was on the docket to baptize like 10 people. And I'm not making this up. I'm pacing in the guest ministry check-in area over there like, I'm not worthy to do this. Like, I'm not good enough, I'm not holy enough, I don't even... Because I understood the weight of the situation, you know? Like, this was people's heaven on earth moment, right? And I'm like, I'm understanding this situation, so I start talking out loud. And I'm just, <laughs> you know, I do that once in a while, and so I'm like, I'm not worthy. And there's this lady in there, her name is Donna Alexander, and she's such a wise woman. And I said, sorry, I was just kind of thinking out loud. She goes, no, it's okay. I like to hear what you're thinking. And if you're ever in a situation where you're helping a friend, because I know a lot of you have good friends that you help through situations, hard situations, say something like that. Say something like, no, it's okay. I like to hear what you're thinking. You don't have to have an answer. And I go, Donna, I'm just so unworthy, you know? Like, I'm so unworthy. She goes, oh, I know. I know. She goes, but we all are. And then she said something to me that, possibly change my life. She goes, I guess, I suppose, we're all just unworthy people doing worthwhile things. 
And I love that. And the weight just went off. Yes, as Christians, as imperfect as we are, we are unworthy of God's love, right? But we as Christians are the exact people that God is calling to serve his kingdom. So if you're thinking, I'm not worthy enough to serve people, or like, I'm not holy enough, I'm not churchy enough to go pray with that person or help them when they drop something. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're not worthy. But because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, because he is your Lord and Savior, you've been given responsibility to go serve that person. You've been given responsibility to go pray for that person and help that person. That's what Jesus is calling you to do. And I hope you see that tonight. If we, if we want to talk about who's worthy and who's unworthy, let's look at Peter's life for a second. Peter was this redneck fisherman that didn't have very good social skills at the time. And all the people that were worthy in his day and age were the really churchy kind, the really religious people, right? So here's this unworthy man, Peter, and all he did was recognize who was worthy, and that was Jesus Christ. And then he started following him, doing worthwhile things because of him. It was an unworthy person doing worthwhile things. Jesus is telling us that the path to greatness is the posture of a servant. And I hope you see that tonight. So who should serve? Who should serve people? Christians should. If you're a Christian here tonight, that's you. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's you. But why should we? What's the whole motivation here? <clears throat> In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it kind of shows us one of the whys. Like, why would we do this? Why would we serve the church? Why would we set up chairs before Element? Why would we go on an Element missions project? Why would we sign up to grow deeper in our faith through Element Pods? Why would we do that? And it says it here. It's speaking of generosity and people serving and stepping into people's lives who are lower than us. It says, this service that you perform, that implies that they're actually doing something, first of all. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. You're doing stuff for people and people are thanking God because you're actually doing something. Do you see that? Because of this service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. He's saying, you're not just talking the talk. You're not just putting a cross in your bio on Instagram. You're not just saying, oh, I'm a Christian and wearing the Christian cross on your, on your, oh yeah. You're not just talking the talk. You're actually walking the walk. You're actually doing something with that faith that's helping people. And they're turning to God in praise because of that. This verse is pointing out a direct relationship with being a Christian and serving. There's no separation here. It's not optional. It's a part of who we are. We help people. That's who we are. No matter who they are. Look at me. No matter what race they are. No matter how different they are from us. We help people. And we serve people and we love people because that's what Jesus did. In Hebrews chapter 6, it expands on this. It's talking to the church. It's talking to some, some people. could be element. And it's saying, we are confident that you are meant for better things. Better things than what? Just sitting around. You're called for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you've worked for him and how you've shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our greatest desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. Listen to that. You don't retire from being a Christian. 
You don't someday go, oh, I've had enough. Enough with loving people. I'm just going to sit on my porch the rest of my life. As long as life lasts, it says, in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true, this is the most important part. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Their faith in Jesus Christ is leading them to God's promises for them. And if you follow Jesus, serving is a part of your identity. And if you're not serving, there's a piece of you that's dying. Do you see that? It's as much a part of your life as anything. Hebrews warns the cost of a Christian not embracing the role of a servant. It's calling people to serve people, love people, be useful to your church. And if you're not, you're going to become spiritually dull and indifferent. For people who claim to follow Jesus Christ, serving isn't optional. It's not an option. Serving is as much a crucial part of a believer's life as going to church, coming to Element, reading your Bible, praying. It's all connected. And so we flip that switch to understand what serving truly is. We run the high risk of becoming spiritually dull and indifferent. And are you feeling that way? There's some people in here who have known Jesus for a few years. It's easy to feel dull and indifferent, isn't it? It's easy to slip into that. I have a challenge for you. I would challenge you in this. I bet when you're feeling dull and indifferent, you're not helping anybody. I bet when you're feeling dull and indifferent, you're not getting involved with what the church's mission is. I bet when you're feeling dull and indifferent, you're not looking at other people, you're just focused on yourself. That's my guess. That's my guess. Listen, you want evidence of this. Evidence that people aren't spiritually dull and indifferent when they serve. Has anyone ever known someone to come back from a mission trip, say like Team Guatemala or the Dallas trip that we took last year, and come back and go, yeah, I don't know, like church is cool, whatever. <laughs> no. Are they ever dull and indifferent? No. They're on fire to serve even more people and to love more people, and their faith is so deep. In fact, they make up the majority of the students who are here setting up these chairs for you. Those, those students that aren't spiritually dull and indifferent. In fact, they're the ones running slides and stuff in the plaza for you to entertain you before you come in here. In fact, those are the adult leaders that are here tonight that serve every week because, listen to me, look at me, they love you. And they're giving up time to be with their family to be with you. Do you understand that? The dearest people in their lives, they're saying, hey, wait a second, I want to go be with these people. I need you to understand that. People who serve aren't spiritually dull and indifferent. There's hundreds of stories like this at Third City. So why do we serve? Because it's a part of our identity. It's who we are as Christians. It's a part of us. And if we don't do that, we're killing a piece of us. And we become spiritually dull and indifferent. Do you understand that? So how do we do this? You're saying, okay, I get it. I know I should be involved. I know I should start helping people. How do I do this? How do I take the first step? Listen, serving is to engage. It's not just to be passive or walk by people who drop something and go, someone else's problem. Serving is to engage. Instead of reaching, reacting to the world around you, you start engaging with the world around you. Listen, Jesus was never sitting on a couch waiting for a spiritual opportunity or just like retweeting questions Christian quotes or like things for justice and stuff and saying, hmm, like it, job done, hashtag ministry, love it, serving the church. No, he wasn't just sitting around doing something. He was engaging the culture. 
And he was engaging the world, and he was building up the church, and he was helping people who had less than him. How do we truly start serving? There's this tipping point. And we've got to get over it, and it's crucial. And there's a lot of pretty ways to say it, and there's a lot of churchy ways to say it, but sometimes the pretty ways lose their weight. And here it is. Look at me, listen. You've got to get over yourself. I've got to get over myself, too. We, the adult leaders, anybody on staff at this church, we've got to get over ourselves. Listen, wherever we are getting the mentality, I'm too cool for that, or wherever we're getting the mentality of, like, I'm better than that, I'm better than them, whether it's from your role on the team, whether it's from being on the field or your social situation or your social media presence or your family name, there's one thing that I'm confident of, and that mentality is the opposite of Jesus. If you call yourself a Christian, that's the opposite of Jesus. That's not even close to what he's calling us to. He came to serve, not to be served, and he led by example. In John chapter 13, it says, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. As if to say, okay, you're going to call me that? You're going to call me a teacher? Well, listen up, because I'm about to teach you something. I'm about to give you an example And he says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, I've served you. You also should wash one another's feet. You should also serve other people. I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Listen, you are so unworthy to have your feet washed by Jesus, for him to die for you. And so am I. But he did it anyways. So go help other people. Go wash other people's feet. Go serve like Jesus did. Get over yourself. Do some worthwhile things. It goes on to say, Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master. Get over yourself. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So we've got to get over ourselves. And secondly, we've got to love people. For it is out of love that we are able to love, and that's how we truly serve. And I I found this verse that's just money on this. And if you look here, you see it all. You see the full picture. And here it is. It's in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Listen, this is saying Christians will love and serve people because they know Jesus. Because they look to Jesus as an example. Lest they be a hypocrite and say, no, I'm a Christian, and then never help a soul. People who know Jesus will act like Jesus. In verse 8, it says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. We follow his example. We live through his example. This is love, not that we loved God. We're unworthy people but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He died the death you deserved and he died it for you. He laid down his life, a ransom for many. And it says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. We ought to do some worthwhile things while we're here on this earth. We ought to serve other people. And no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is the most beautiful picture 
of what element could be. Of what element could be if it was fulfilling its purpose in this community. Of unworthy people doing worthwhile things. And I'm like, here's where I'm going to land the plane. I'm I'm just going to conclude with this thought. It was kind of like what I talked about on Snap today, where where if you are so self-centered, if you all you think about is yourself and what's making me happy, what's making me sad, what I'm getting, what I'm not getting, you're going to be miserable. Am I right? This is so true for me. In these moments in life when all I'm thinking about myself, I am so miserable. Flip that on its head. Start thinking about other people. Start looking at other people. Start helping other people, and you will come alive inside. Have you ever been in this situation where someone drops something, you help them pick it up, and you walk away, and you go, ooh, that felt good. You ever been there? That's not just a, man, I'm a good person. No, no, there's something very spiritual happening there. You are experiencing the gospel at work in your life. You are experiencing following Jesus' example. And that's that feeling. You're discovering biblical truth in that situation. So listen, we got to get over ourselves to see other people so we can love other people. And follow me with this metaphor, and this is where I'm landing it. Imagine a friendship. Do any of you have really good friends out there? Yeah, a few, few good friends like it. That one person looked at you and went like, Are you kidding? So imagine a friendship. Imagine with me this friendship where all it ever was and all it ever would be is this. Be quiet. Mine. It's all about me. Give that to me and don't you take it away. It's all about me. Pay attention to me. Who wants to be that person's friend? No. Here's my challenge for you. Listen, listen, listen. Are you being that friend? Are you being that friend? Now imagine a friendship where all it ever was and all it ever would be is this. No, you. Like, let's, no, how can I help you? I, I have this. Do you want it? Like, let's share. This is about us. This is about you. I want to be that person's friend, right? I want to be that person's friend. Are you being that friend? Thinking about other people besides yourself. Now look at this in the metaphor of a church. Jesus says he has a relationship with a church. You are the church. Jesus has a relationship with you. So this metaphor carries over. Imagine a church. Imagine a youth group. Imagine an element where all it was and all it ever would be is this. Mine. Give that to me. This is about me. I'm unhappy. This is about me. Give that to me and don't you dare take it away. That's mine. It's about me. Who wants to be there? No one. That youth group is headed for a lot of pain and chaos, but listen to this. Imagine a youth group. Imagine a group of students like this, not only here, but going out to their communities and their schools going like this. No, you first. No, it's okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, what do you need? Here, did you need, I, I'll give this to you. It's no, it's no problem. Oh, we can share. No problem. Do you need help? I'll help you. It's about you. It's about us. It's fine. I want to be a part of that youth group. Amen. I want to be a part of that church. Amen? Amen. Amen. We are unworthy people doing worthwhile things. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you so much for the opportunity to humble our hearts and to wake up inside. And I pray for the people in this room that are spiritually dull and indifferent that you start moving their feet. That they quit just talking the talk, but they actually walk the walk. And when they see that person in their school that needs help, that they actually step up and be a person who acts like they're following Jesus and helps that person, regardless of how different they are. 
regardless of what people will think of them, that they're thinking about that person first. So the thought of what will people think about me doesn't even come up. That they're looking at the people that are sitting alone at lunch and saying, man, that kid needs love. I know he's inches away from completely breaking down. I'm thinking about that person, not me. I pray for that in this room. That students rise up, wake up, that they're not spiritually dull and indifferent. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, I didn't tell you about something. So uh, go ahead and clear that. I have something to tell you. So we're talking about spiritually dull and indifferent people, right? I know a group of students who went to Dallas this last year. And when they went and they came back, they were anything but spiritually dull and indifferent. And it's not just because they were great kids, that they were great kids like helping people out. No, they served like they were actually following Jesus. They didn't come to be served, but they showed up and they left to serve. Do you see that? I want you to listen to these stories. This is from last year of how not spiritually dull and indifferent these students are. Check this out. Uh, it's pretty interesting to see uh, how people connect with God in the perspective of their own culture. My thought about going down to Dallas was I'm going to go down there, give people Jesus, give people hope. But um, it really changed to how they really impacted me. I feel like it was this amazing experience where we really got to see like, how the church really should be. And it was very impactful for the students and, and the adults that went. Well, going down there, I thought I was going to be the one that was giving them hope, giving them encouragement in their faith, but really um, what they needed wasn't me. It was really just a word of encouragement from God. From our standpoint, we thought we were going to serve people. Um, we thought that we were going to be the ones showing love or showing grace, showing mercy. And the reality was I think that they were showing us love. They were showing us what love looked like, what grace looked like. There were drug dealers, there were prostitutes, but more than anything, we saw redeemed people wanting to redeem people. Going on this mission trip really gave me the courage to love everyone here in GI just as much as I did in Dallas. After this trip, it's like really brought me to like, I can do so much things here in Grand Island. Like, I don't know, just bringing one more person to God, that just would be amazing. My hope is that the students take that experience and come back to Grand Island and say, I want to change our city. Because the reality is we are less than three miles away from mission work. Um, refugees are here. Unreached people are here. Hurt people are here. I've helped people. But I never thought about helping people for God. Like I've never, like when I've been helping people, I haven't been thinking I should do this for God. I've just been doing it like for like me or like my outlook. Our generation can have a big impact if we just start doing instead of wait, waiting for others to lead the way. It doesn't matter where you go. It could be GI or Dallas. Um, what people need to hear is the gospel and that's what we're called to do. Simply put, I think the reason we did this was we felt called to do it and we were just trying to be obedient to God in that calling. I love our students, like I love our student ministry, I love Element, and God actually commands us to do this. You know, Matthew 28 tells us, go make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Holy Spirit. If we're going to, if we're going to call ourselves Christians and act like believers, we need to be doers of the word. I just pray that 
we can kind of create this snowball effect that will keep going and maybe inspire other people to go to Guatemala or do some kind of mission work and get involved somehow and that we can keep um, a passion for missions at the forefront of our church. There's just a lot of need out there. There's a lot of need for people to know who Jesus is right here in our town. And, and if we don't go and take that message to them, there's a good chance no one will. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.